You're listening to the latest dose of Bipolar Recorder. This podcast may cause dizziness and blurred vision. Enjoy. Welcome back to Bipolar Recorder. My name is Hunter Keegan. Thank you for joining us today. It's always a pleasure when we have Stu on the show. Stu is a recurring guest, and he has been featured on Bipolar Recorder a few times now, talking about his experiences with a kind of midlife bipolar diagnosis, as well as a autism diagnosis and some other potential comorbid conditions. So we talk a lot about where he's at with his current state of affairs in terms of his assessments that he's had for these different conditions and his process of getting services through the United Kingdom's mental health care system. We also talk a lot about some other topics. We get a little sidetracked toward the end and we talk about everything from Russian hypersonic missiles to our chance encounters with the cult icon Henry Rollins and other fun stuff too. So I hope you enjoy this episode and we'll get right into it. We are back with Stu again. Um, So glad to have you back on the show, Stu. Uh, So how have you been doing lately? I'm good. Thanks for having me anyway, Hunter. Yeah, it's been Christmas and New Year. Happy New Year and all that. Happy New Year. Not that I celebrated it particularly, but... um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. I've been been a bit up and down, as I said to you now. Our communications um, on email and stuff. Um, yeah. I spoke to the psychiatrist the other day and he's fairly sure it's autism or ADHD as well as bipolar. So wow. Um, but he's saying a formal diagnosis. He won't he won't have for another six or seven months. He wants to keep talking to me. As six I'm not, to seven months. I don't understand it. I don't understand what he because I I'm trying to understand on, on the one hand, he's got me on a set of medications, which as I say, we'll get to in a minute, but that's where my foot sort of faith in it falls down because if he's not entirely sure what's wrong how's he entirely sure how to treat it is how often will he be seeing you during that six to seven month you can see me again in march in march wow that's a long time from now yeah but this is the nhs in england i'm afraid Mm. so yeah i think it's a lot to do with funding i mean i'm lucky you know it took me nearly 18 months to get seen by him in the first place wow so yeah, I, I just think it's probably a result of the funding cuts and just the pressure on the NHS from the pandemic and people needing more help. <clears throat> mm. um, but yeah, I'm I'm sort of a bit in flux with it all, really, which is sort of where I got to at Christmas. I didn't, I haven't got a lot of faith in what he's saying, to be honest with you. Although I know something's up and. I sort of can concur with the autism diagnosis. I haven't looked into it. Um, That's interesting. Well, I'm just thinking about myself, do you know what I mean? Just thinking about how 
I can be, you know, the obsession with numbers and um, just the awkwardness, the social awkwardness sometimes. Um, you said probably... anagrams too once, right? Like you, you're yeah, really into anagrams. anagrams. Yeah. <laughs> well, That's I pretty cool out, though. I worked out that Respiridon is prison or die. And I was like, oh shit, you know, but they just, you know manic though. I was like, am I the fucking? It's very I, ominous. Surely, I, 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 I thought to myself, surely if you're going to name a mental health medication, you should make sure it hasn't got any dubious anagrams. Sure, that should be 101. Do you know what I mean, that should be the first thing you do. Yeah. Like just bang I, I, through an anagram. <laughs> I wonder how you could come up with something that just does not create any anagram. Like, is there an anagram for Vralar? I don't think that would like lay far no. or something. I don't know. Leave it with me. I'll have to I'll have to work on that one. <laughs> cool, man. Um well, it sounds like things are still a bit dubious right now in terms of that diagnosis and, and reaching the um, the answer. Yeah. I think I well, I think that's where because what what we're going to talk about is the, obviously the lamictal and what I did with that over Christmas. Yeah, we're going to uh, get into some stuff about medication changes in just a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, I I think because I didn't have faith in what he was saying, I started to feel better. Um, slightly, slightly manic, I would say, but then better. And I, I suppose the behavior was more manic. I didn't, I, there was no reasoning. I sort of was like, I'm stopping the Lamictal and I binned it. I put it in the bin. Mm-hmm. Um, I got it out of the bin after I started to feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I think it stayed because it was Christmas time. The bins weren't collected and what have you. So um, I ended up going down the bin day after Boxing Day and pulling these tablets out. But I just think that. The, the precursor to me binning them was like, I've seen this psychiatrist twice online and mm-hmm. I don't know, just not having a, a you know, I just can't understand how he can treat something without knowing what it is. Do you know what I mean? And then, yeah, just, I don't think he's been difficult. I don't know. I just, um, I, it's a faith thing. Do you know what I mean? I think you've got to have faith in someone when they're um, treating you, don't you? Well, you, you need to be able to trust your provider, I think. Yeah, I think that's, that's yeah, that's the best way of putting it. It's like, um, I don't know. And also, if you do become manic, then the, the problem with that is if you, you haven't, because he said to me, call me if you become slightly manic. And the last thing I want to do is call him. Yeah. Do what, you know concern, what, what concerns you specifically? I don't know. I suppose because I am so in denial about being sick when I'm like that, that I'm trying to find a, a ways and means of it just disappearing. And I sort of associate the meds with being ill, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So when I felt mentally okay, I mean, the depression had lifted and what have you, and he'd, he'd given me the Lamictal for depression. When the depression lifted, I was almost like, well, I'm, I'm cured. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell, I'm cured. I'm better. And that, that sort of gave me the confidence to throw them in the bin. But I mean, then again, looking back on it, throwing them in the bin is an extreme thing to do. I haven't done it with any other medications. Yeah. It's almost like I wanted to take away the ability to go back on that decision by throwing them in the bin. Mm-hmm. And then when you I, realized that like, you actually do need it. Well, yeah, I crashed hard. Just, I just hit a wall on that. Well, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. I, was, I managed to forget my girlfriend's birthday. Just, oh, no. Yeah, I was just completely in a haze. So I managed to forget her birthday. Um, mm. 
which obviously didn't go down too well. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Because I was masking, feeling depressed, so I wasn't really saying I feel suicidally depressed. I was just sort of like getting through Christmas and thinking. I sort of didn't associate it with not taking the tablets, and then day after Boxing Day, I think I realised that. Well, I was said to my girlfriend because I couldn't do it secretly. I had to go down the bins. We got marigold gloves out and mm-hmm. like chucking everything out of the bin out the out the front and trying to find these fucking tablets. Wow! Because I was panicking then because I was thinking there's no there's no way to get hold of a GP to get the script written out yeah. again. Yeah. For Christmas. Um, and I thought I'm crashing so hard. I just I I literally felt like lashing up a rope, mm. which I I hadn't felt. Well, I told you, didn't I? I hadn't felt for a, for a long while. Yeah. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. So I mean, how how did you uh, how did you get through that? How long did it take for the pills to start working again? Or did you do anything else in the meantime? While I don't you- know if it's yeah, I don't know if it's placebo, but pretty much within the the three or four hours after taking it, I could feel it lift. Yeah. And then by the next day, it had gone again. But the last couple of days, I've been feeling a bit, I don't know, just down. But I I don't know how much that is just to, you know, just you feel down sometimes, don't you? Do you know what I mean? I haven't been feeling suicidal, but I've just been feeling a bit flat and a bit new. Yeah. But like someone's turned the volume off. Well, it usually takes at least four to six weeks for those medications to reach therapeutic levels in your body. Yeah. So... I mean, it, it's January 16th right now, so it's really only been about two or three weeks since you started them up again. I mean, I don't know how long you stopped them for. No, Maybe that right. made it get back up to the level more quickly. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but... No, I know. I don't, I don't know either. I do, that's the thing. I, I think it's accepting it's very chemical and that, you know, I think I, I, got, to that, I got to that position where I was feeling okay. And then I sort of decided I wanted to end the meds because I felt better. It's always like we talked about it before, though. It's always dodgy because it's 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 through the filter of you that you're making decisions. Mm-hmm. And if you're not accepting, you're not well, which I, I still think I'm struggling with the idea. And it's easy with the with this sort of hazy way the psychiatrist has been. It's very easy to read between the lines and think, well, maybe there's nothing wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, when I first got diagnosed with bipolar and I got put on medications, I trashed all of those prescriptions because I thought that I did not need them. Mm. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was not taking them because I didn't think that I needed them. I, I was like feeling so manic that I was like, I'm not mentally ill. I'm just on the next level. Like no one gets the wavelength that I'm on. Yeah. And um, that didn't end up going too well. But so um, I also have reduced my medications, as you know. Um, yeah, you said, but you did it. I did it under <laughs> medical supervision. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way. Isn't it? You didn't just lob them in the bin. No, I didn't just throw them away this time. Uh, this is something that I've been working with my psychiatrist on for about the last, um, I guess, four months now. We've been slowly reducing certain medications that I'm on. So what so, did you go from to on the Lamictal? So with, so I take Lamictal, Buspirone, and Vralar are the three main medications that I take. And the first thing we did is we reduced the Lamictal from 300 milligrams, which is a pretty high dose, down to 200 milligrams. 
and we kept it there for about a month. And I did experience hypomania during that first reduction. And then I crashed and had a few days of depression after that, but it was all manageable. So once we got stable at 200 milligrams, we further reduced it to 150 milligrams. So half of the original dose. And that time I didn't really experience any uh, mania or depression as a result. So we let that ride for a few more weeks. And then we discussed reducing the Raylar, which is an antipsychotic medication. So we cut that in half from three milligrams to 1.5 milligrams. And that change with the Raylar just happened um, about, I don't know, four days ago. So so the results of that remain to be seen. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we will see. Um, what I about the t- busperone? Are you still on the busperone? Yeah, I'm still taking the busperone. That medication hasn't changed. I think I take that. I, I can't even remember um, why I started taking busperone. I think it had to do with OCD tendencies, actually, or you like something. Anxiety. I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like something like that. It was like reducing anxiety or reducing intrusive thoughts or whatever was why I started taking the Buspirone, I believe. But so this is like the same cocktail of medication that I've been on for the last um, probably year and a half now. It's just that we've reduced the dosages on everything. So it's the same medications, just lower dosages. Yeah. It was just similar. So I, I, I was on Busperone, but I knocked it on the head because I just, I felt numbed out. And then mm-hmm. I'm on Spiridon, which is obviously a mood stabilizer and antipsychotic. And then I'm on the Lamictal for keeping the depression off, obviously, because it's, it's a long time since I felt psychotic or yeah. manic. I mean, a bit before Christmas, I, I might have been heading that way, but nothing like the sort of high highs you get. Do you know what I mean? Where I'm like, I'm on another level. <laughs> yeah, um, I can tell you that reducing the Lamictal from 300 eventually down to 150 has made me feel much more clear-headed. Like right, okay. the whole reason I started reducing these medications in the first place is because um, of brain fog, primarily. Like that was the main reason, and reducing the Lamictal has really helped with that. Um, so for me personally, that has been a side effect that has been reduced through lowering the medications. And like I said, we did this over the course of like three to four months. So it wasn't all at once. And I just met with my psychiatrist. Um, oh, I don't know, like two or three days ago. Um, I may have said that earlier, but anyhow, um, I met with him very, no, you said, you said that you said that you reduced the radar. Right. Yeah. So I met with him a couple of days ago and then that's when we made the decision to reduce it. But he was asking me what my goals with reducing the medication is or are. And I told him that in general right now, I just feel like I've been stable for a very long time and that maybe at this point, I, up until now, I've been kind of over medicated for the last maybe like two or three years. Mm. And in general, my goal is not to completely remove medication, but to reduce the dosages that I'm on to have less artificial psychotropic 
neurological shit going on in my brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so, a weird. It's a weird thing to describe because you feel you feel subtly chemical, don't you? That's what I I feel like. It's a subtle. I mean, but they, again, you know, I I'd, I'd felt numbed out or sort of a bit hazy from the lamictal. I think sometimes then, you have to stick with it for a couple of months, and then those side effects start to go down. Yeah, I think I, well, I just obviously stopping it. I I hit such I I'm obviously in my body or my brain is in such a deep depression at the moment that I need that medication because as soon as I stopped it, the veil lifted and I was like, wow, I'm depressed. Yeah, what? don't don't you kind of forget sometimes how heavy duty those medications are? Like once you go off them, um, yeah, like. When I initially reduced the Lamictal, I had been taking 300 milligrams of Lamictal for so long that my body was just like totally used to it. And, you know, it gets to a point where I've been at like a baseline slash maintenance phase for the most part for the last couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, so like taking medications is just another thing that I do every day. I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. I take this shit. It's fine. Um, and I'm like, does it, it? And so you're kind of like, you forget how much it it does change your stability. So reducing that 300 milligrams to 200 at first, like it caught me off guard when yeah. I experienced that hypomania. I wasn't expecting that anything would really happen because I was kind of like, part of me was kind of like, I think these medications are sort of bullshit. I don't think they really, they really do much. And then after <laughs> slowing them down, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess they, they do actually have quite a bit to do with. That's the- what I, I felt like. I felt like I'm because I started getting hooked on side effects. I was like, what about the side effects? What about the long term? You know, like reading, mm-hmm. you know, it can cause death and it can cause kidney problems and it can make your teeth fall out. And so I became overly fixated on side effects, forgetting why I'd originally gone on them. Yeah. I'm thinking and, uh, they're like, yeah, they're like the bullshit. They're like, oh, well, they're not doing anything anyway. Yeah, and they're making it making you uh, sicker. Sometimes it feels like, um, but yeah, I mean, there there's uh, bad side effects with like virtually every um, psychiatric medication. It you know not not that the side effects will happen for everyone, but I feel like every medication has a potential for bad side effects for some mm-hmm. people. So it's a matter of finding the right meds at the end of the day. It's hard to extrapolate them as well, because when you're stuck in your head and you're constantly thinking, especially when you've got anxieties, it's like, it's very hard to know what's going on. That's what I find. Because you can't trust your own decisions. That's that's Mm -hmm. the worst part of it, I think, of being bipolar or having a mental illness, um, is you can't really trust what's going on. And, you know, you add a bit of paranoia, you know, obviously, because when I stopped the tablets, my... My oldest brother, who's, who lives in Wales, was saying what you're doing, and my partner was saying, but I, I, I just didn't listen to them. Do you know what I mean? I've got no interest in what they're saying about it because mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just hellbent on just stopping them. Yeah, and did you have no? Were you not taking heed to what they were saying because you were just like they don't know what's going on in, inside yeah. my head? Or yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's like. I just became, yeah, it's like you just become ultra confident that what you're saying is right and, and forgetting yeah. why, you know, like you said, you're forgetting what they're actually doing for you. 
Mm-hmm. It's so it's so difficult. It's a difficult. It's it's like hard to grab and hard to explain. Yeah. It's like a subtlety, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? There's an extreme subtlety to it. It's like I've, I've just given up smoking. Gave up smoking about a week ago. That's good. No, nice one. I didn't want to smoke cigarettes anymore, you know, because I worry about my health. This is one of the, the anxieties I often have, you know. I think. Yeah, well, and smoking cigarettes is definitely not good for health. <laughs> I know, I know. It's and also it got to the point where every cigarette, I'm sort of thinking, this is killing me. This is killing me. This is killing me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't really enjoyable. So it got to the point where I was creating anxiety and also. The first cigarette was making my heart race and giving me pretty bad anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's the same with that. It's that subtlety. And yeah, nicotine's quite can be quite a strong drug, can't it? Yeah, definitely. I um I stopped smoking cigarettes a while ago and switched over to a vape, which I can see you're doing right now, <laughs> which yeah. is cool. But like the vape, honestly, for me was more addictive than the cigarettes were, I think. Really? Yeah, because you can just like, you can just like chill and do it all day without yeah. kind of noticing it because you don't have to like step outside or whatever. And, um, right, yeah. you know, it doesn't make your clothing smell bad or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I I would proceed with caution with the vape, just so you know, because right now I'm trying to quit vaping and right. it is really fucking difficult. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm using it when I quit because I'm your typical smoker. You know what I mean? I like, I, I like cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I smoke before bed. I smoke in the morning. I smoke after dinner. So what I'm doing is rather than puffing on it, I, I imagine it's a cigarette and I have it for the period of time that I have a cigarette. So I've just had dinner. Okay. No. okay that makes sense um, that's cool i use toothpicks a lot too just to like handle that like oral fixation thing i think that's it i stopped biting my nails as well but yeah. maybe i'll bite my nails again oh man dude i i bite my nails all the time i have all these weird nervous habits that i do and uh biting my nails is uh one of the primary primary ones it sucks it's, yeah it's difficult and as i say because everything's through the lens of you isn't it everything's through that lens and that's where like that's what i was trying to say before with the smoking it's a subtlety it's like when i gave up smoking i i don't realize that it really doesn't do anything do you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. but then again there's a craving you mm-hmm. know what i mean that doesn't give me anything there's a craving and i realized that because i thought oh give up smoking would be easy <laughs> yeah it's been hitting me a bit and i think it's linked in with feeling depressed and it's linked in with feeling psychotic you know the yeah. desire to smoke you know yeah I, mean? I think like the impulse control and uh feeling elevated and like you have to be like doing something with your hands or whatever well i'm feeling like you deserve it do you know what i mean like you've got this terrible mental health problem and you know you can't do anything about that so you may as well reward yourself with cigarettes or whatever. oh i see okay do you know what i mean it's almost yeah. like that takes the precedent and you ignore all else do you know what i mean whether it be your diet or smoking or drinking or what have you i mean although i don't drink as you know but yeah it's sort of like you know this hierarchy of needs where you're sort of like well because i've struggled so badly mentally i deserve a cigarette almost uh-huh. yeah but no i just i just want to give up that's that's what you see that was the thing as well i sort of decided to give up smoking so i was like i'm gonna give up the mixer as well uh-huh. and obviously it didn't work out i should have done See, the reason I didn't do what you did and speak to the psychiatrist is because I know, knew he'd say no. Mm-hmm. What did he just say? You're so, you, you've only just gone on then. Yeah. With depression. 
And then I would have been like, didn't really have anything to say. Do you know what I mean? So I think I knew. Yeah, you were like, I'm just going to try this and see how it goes. Uh, yeah, I just thought magically I might feel better. Yeah, you got to be careful with that, though, man. Like, Well, you'd already told me. I actually said to you in a text, didn't I? Um, and you were sort of like, well, be careful. <laughs> it's like, proceed with caution. <laughs> and I just ignored you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I, I've ignored many, many pieces of advice people have given me over the years about mental health. So I totally get it. Um, but I mean, I, I, my brother at the time, I suppose, because we went down after Christmas. Um like last last week was it yeah it was last week so I was back on them and um I told him and he's he you know he he said that initially he was just like fucking furious do you know what I mean at, at the fact that I'd taken that risk do you know what I mean because he's been mm-hmm. quite supportive of me um mm-hmm. but he understands as well do you know what I mean he said you just have to you have to realize that you know it's something chemical going on for you yeah but it's so it's so hard. Anyone anyone who's listening or anyone who, who's like us will know what what we mean by this. Do you know what I mean? It's just so yeah. it's such a subtle thing because you feel better and then you associate those meds with being sick. That's what it is for me. I just think popping those tablets each day. I just I'm just fucked off with it to be honest with you. Yeah. Although you say oh you you you've managed to accept it and you incorporate it into your daily routine, you know, and you take it and it's just something you do. Mm-hmm. For me, it just, it fucks me off. Yeah, well, I mean, it took me a really, really long time to get to that point, too. I mean, it took me, like, years to get to that point. So some things just kind of come with time and, and you know, practice, I guess, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, defin- I definitely wouldn't do the, the cessation myself again because mm-hmm. I think I felt... I felt that bad that quickly. I was quite yeah. taken away by it. I, it. So I didn't really, it like knocked me on my ass a bit. I didn't really have time to realize that I'd stopped it. It, it was almost like, I was like, why, why do I feel so bad? Yeah. And it took me two or three days of feeling fucking really low mm-hmm. before I realized that, oh, it's because I stopped the meds. So even then I knew I'd stop the meds, but it took me maybe four or five days to, to make that connection and go, I better get those tablets out of the bin. And that wasn't mm-hmm. a good look, you know, like diving down a fucking <laughs> in the front out of the front of your house looking for tablets. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Dumpster diving. I've done it for weed before. I remember I've accidentally chucked weed out and gone down the bin, but yeah. that always more satisfactory, do you know what I mean? Because you can get a joint out of it. But yeah, it's a little more rewarding than getting boring medications, finding weed. Um, I've been Speaking of weed, I, um, I've been cutting back on the amount of weed that I've been smoking lately because um, it was getting right. to be a little bit too, uh, too much of a daily routine for me or nightly. Like how routine. much are you smoking? Dude, um, on New Year's Eve, my girlfriend and I picked up an ounce and she was smoking it too but it was mostly me smoking it and we burned through it in like a week and a half for like which to me for an ounce of weed like that seems like a lot of weed to burn through that quickly for two people i uh, think so yeah (laughs) i mean i I, yeah i at the height of when i was smoking weed over the pandemic and the height of the pandemic i was probably doing half an ounce a week which i thought was 
on my own which is a lot yeah yeah like i think that i think that um that is a bit excessive or at least it is for me personally so yeah so i've cut back a little bit i actually um i had something really crazy happen the other night which is i think that i may have had a like acid flashback while i was um stoned so i was like laying in bed Mm. and i had uh just smoked a couple of bowls of weed and it was like pretty late at night and I was kind of like half falling asleep and I was just looking at this uh trippy poster that I have on my uh my wall in my bedroom and I noticed that the colors were getting a lot more vivid and the contrast was getting a lot higher and then the patterns actually started shifting around and it was like super trippy and um really looked like what you would see on like a mild shroom trip and I thought that I was um I I almost thought I was having like a stroke or something at first Um, I mean we though you know Hunter I mean we especially if you I think what people forget is it builds up in the system do you know I mean we just sort of stays in your system and I think like I said to you before Christmas I got to the point where even a couple of pulls of a joint was sending me absolutely west yeah like anxious and i think i think you sort of get a good run with it and then especially these new skunk strains you know then all these hybrid weeds they're just so strong in thc yeah well that was the thing man like this was um some strong ass weed that i was smoking <laughs> too like it's <laughs> mushrooms sometimes i think it and was so weed but... can be stronger than acid or mushrooms i swear to god <laughs> I, I think that it can be in some ways. Like, I, I think I know what you're saying. Um, I, because you uh, take it, like, casually, you think, oh, well, it's just weed. Especially if you, like, do, um, like, actual psychedelics and then you smoke weed. Like, I think if you yeah, do yeah. LSD, like, after that point, it changes the nature of just smoking weed um, mm. in some ways. I think it makes the weed, like, trippier, Uh but I don't know. Do you believe in like flashbacks, quote unquote? Because a, a lot of people don't. There's something called um, HPPD, I think, which is like, or it's something. It means like post psychedelic hyper visual something. So I I know that's oh, I, possible. I think once you, I think, I think maybe if you open that particular area of your brain up, you can go there again. I don't, I don't see it. That, I get what you're saying. Once you take an acid, then it's much easier or more likely that you're going to go down that trippy psychedelic route when you smoke yeah. weed because you know to look for it or you know what it looks like. Yeah. But I suppose most people would. I don't know. You, you can't. Exp- you can't really test it, can you? No, you can't. It's like so weird. I um. I almost. I almost thought about telling my psychiatrist about it, but I didn't want him to think that I was like experiencing psychosis because I I don't Mm. think it's psychosis. I think that I was just really high and this like weird thing just kind of happened. Um, I I think, yeah, but we, like you say, these weeds are so strong. These, these marijuana strains are so strong now. I mean, I've had, I know we were in, I was in Nashville one time doing some songwriting and we got hold of some AK-47. You ever heard mm-hmm. of it? Mm-hmm. And fuck me, honestly, it's because ne- it's like crisply, really crisp and crunchy weed. 
Mm-hmm. It's absolutely packed with THC crystals. And it just fucked me up after about two or three drags of this stuff. I was like, I've yeah. gone. And then the next time I had it was in Amsterdam when we were doing our album. Mm. And we um, stopped in a coffee shop on the way back to the, the, the ship. You know, we had to get a ship across. So we were in this little town called Hook. Um, the Hook of Holland, it's called. So there was a little, and we bought, I said, oh, they got this AK-47. So we got some and put like a 20 quid bag in a big mm-hmm. joint. Same thing. It just messed me up. So wow. I, I don't know. I think the weeds just got so strong now, mate. I think that's what it is. I was, uh, the strain I was smoking that caused this was uh, Granddaddy Purple. Never heard of that, but it's, it sounds bad. It's the <laughs> sound bad, doesn't it? Yeah, it's cool. It's actually one of my favorite strains. It's just it did me dirty that one time. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Um, right now I've got some like uh some random strains that were grown uh by like some guy my brother knows right in in virginia so it's all it's all legal it's all it's all good i was gifted it but um it's um it's really really strong shit and i I don't i don't know what strain it is but um it's got it's very it's got a lot of that orange yeah, I know. Fire yeah. on it and shit, yeah. and um, I I smoked just like one bowl of it the other night after taking a few days off from smoking weed. Yeah. Um, and it got me. So um, it's hard to tell. As I say, it's like as I say for me, weed's a no no now. I don't think I'll. <clears throat> I don't think I'll be able to smoke it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you know, it's not a, it's not a bad idea to take breaks or stop altogether. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you just get to a point where you don't need it anymore. That's how I feel about alcohol. It's just like, yeah. why, why would I do that? You know, um, I actually um, tomorrow is my six-year anniversary for uh, alcohol sobriety. How oh, nice one, man! Six yeah. years. Man. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, I know you have like 15 years alcohol sobriety, right? Well, 20, 20. 2001, I gave up. Wow, that is so wild, man. Yeah, I gave up on 11 11 2001. Wow, wow. So that that was a uh, post 9 11, that was a stressful time to uh get sober. Well, yeah, I watched the Twitter. I'll, I'll admit something now, I don't know if I saw this before, but when the twin towers came down, I didn't know what they were. Oh, yeah. So someone okay. said a plane's hit the Twin Towers and everyone went to the pub to go and watch Sky TV. And I didn't have a fucking clue what the Twin Towers were because I was mm. just living in this bubble of booze and drugs. I just didn't really pay attention to anything going on. Yeah. yeah and I went in and saw these big... And we'd been, I'd been to New York three years before with a band I was in and just completely just looked high level, obviously. I didn't even notice these fucking towers that, yeah. that ultimately ended up falling down. But... Um, yeah, I, I had no reckoning of what they were. I just remember the day that happened because I, I was drinking still then, obviously. Mm-hmm. Just thinking, awesome, I can go to the pub. <laughs> yeah, and like here's a, here's an excuse to go drink. Like this works. Um, yeah, and everyone's upset and all that. And I, I was just completely numbed out. You know, I was taking Valium. Yeah. They used yeah. to do a lot of Valium and Coke and stuff. And Combining benzos with alcohol is always just like the the worst combination. Like uh, every time I've I've done that, I think I have blacked out or gotten the spins so badly that I had to go lay down or something. 
I just used to love the mix of Valium and booze and cocaine. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're trying to sedate yourself or like turn your brain off, like that's a effective way to do it. But it's not not good for your liver or for your brain, probably. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, we we were talking on text when we said about um recently in the press with Kanye because I was just speaking with my partner actually about it. Oh yeah, with uh, Kanye <laughs> punching that that guy. Out. Yeah. Is he is he not on meds? Is that what you're saying, you think? Yeah, so like his whole thing is like no one knows anymore. He said a couple of years ago that he was bipolar and that he was on medication. Then he said that he no longer thinks he's bipolar and he stopped taking <laughs> his medication, you know, which is like the classic bipolar thing to do. Yeah. So um a couple of nights ago, I saw on these like celebrity gossip shows um that kanye was um being investigated for like battery charges he was a fan wasn't he he had a fan asked an autograph yeah exactly like someone approached him and apparently uh someone approached him outside of a nightclub at like three in the morning and kanye was all like pissed off and like was like no like i'm not signing autographs like i'm going through some shit right now and then apparently the guy was like hey man it's cool we all have family problems uh just like assuming that that's what kanye was referring to and then uh yeah homie got knocked the fuck out for a second so um i think that um the the but the uh the point of the video that or my takeaway from the video was watching Kanye West's behavior um and just the way he was acting because the video starts after the guy is knocked out on the ground and right. Kanye is just having like a full freak out like people are trying to talk to him and like get him to calm down he's like running around the street like waving his arms around screaming like you don't know me you don't know me but you know like and it's just like this is not stable behavior um, yeah. this is not this is not like a mentally healthy or normal situation and it's really concerning and shit like that is what leads to you know criminal charges resulting from untreated mental illness um I, it, it also it also encourages others i think if 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 you think you're bipolar and you look up to kanye you may well think well he's not taking meds i won't take meds that's oh yeah what I take absolutely away yeah absolutely i think that that's 100 true and it it is kind of dangerous when um when stuff like that happens and a person like that is so influential over the way other people live their lives yeah it, definitely it's um it's a powerful position to be in you know well who's going to tell him either i mean he's probably surrounded by people you know it, it's hard enough to get to someone who's bipolar at the best of times isn't it as we know yeah but if you're a multi-million pound rap star mm -hmm. who lives his life through the lens of the media it's like i can't imagine it'd be easy to get through to him oh yeah no i'm sure he's surrounded by people who kind of enable him and and um that just makes things so much worse because like feelings of grandiosity and and shit like that it's like well you are in an elite tier of society if you choose to look at yeah. social 
hierarchy that way. He's in a very high tier of that. Yeah, definitely. Well, so, he's like grandiose by nature, isn't he? Do you know I mean he's yeah, awesome? Grandiose. Yeah. <laughs> it was already grandiose and now is even grandioser. That's what he gets paid for, isn't it? Really, I think is yeah, that image is huge um and then we had uh i also had britney spears on the uh celebrity gossip list uh with yeah the- I, I i didn't realize until i read a bit about I, obviously i've seen the documentary and i knew that she was under the conservatorship i didn't realize it was bipolar with her yeah my understanding is that it's bipolar i don't know as much about the britney spears uh saga as i do about kanye west's saga but um i uh it's, it's interesting the way the two are treated differently isn't it though i mean that's what i i was thinking about when we were talking about it on message it's like on the one hand become and is quite difficult through his illness whereas britney had a well you know the shave in her head instance and then she was sort of completely tethered by her family it's you know it's the opposite angle isn't it it's like on one hand like you said Kanye's being enabled and allowed mm-hmm. and on the other she was completely imprisoned and sort of had being all like the rights stifled yeah it's um it's like opposite ends of of the same illness but treated very differently yeah check this out so i i just googled this and and this article is from December 23rd, 2013. Um, and so it says, um, it says that Britney Spears has revealed the extent of her bipolar disorder and mood swings uh, first exploded onto the scene in 1999, described herself as being carefree and a more sexualized version of herself um blah 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 but says she's normally shy and introverted and there's some other shit one one quote from her is she says she's not really made for this industry i guess i think that's right i think if you've been it's interesting she says she's shy and introverted normally because and then on the other hand she's highly sexualized it's like Mm -hmm. that's atypical bipolar behavior from someone who's female as well obviously the 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 symptoms can be different in females to males Mm -hmm. but yeah that hypersexuality and that and i suppose also as i say it just goes to show how it's treated differently how men and women treat differently isn't it you know on the one hand she's imprisoned in her house and kanye's like encouraged (laughs) yeah dude i think there's like totally a sexist um difference there i i think that the media perception of like a female with mental health issues versus a male with mental health issues is much different. Like when you hear about Britney Spears being mentally ill, you hear all these things like, oh, well, she's a terrible mother and like she's unfit to raise children and she can't do this and she can't do that. And then Kanye West, on the other hand, people look at him and are like, oh, like this guy's so crazy and entertaining or this is... um, it goes back to this his, is just how he is. This is just who he is. As a yeah, exactly. Man. It goes back to when he he went up and he was horrible to Taylor Swift at the award ceremony. Yeah. Wasn't it? I mean, this is such a manic thing to do. You can imagine him. He's just sat there and he's just like hyper manic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ran up, he's like, yo, you know, she shouldn't be winning this. I'm no disrespect to you, and he's babbling on, and it's like, 
yeah beyonce had the best video of all time and you're like yeah i mean that's just you're like i don't know if he's wrong or not but it's not it's not appropriate (laughs) well we just it was was the reaction of the public to it i think it's interesting it wasn't like wow he's fucking completely lost it what's he doing yeah it's that like you say it's this um oh he's just kanye's being kanye where If Britney, you know, Britney shaved her head. It wasn't Britney's being Britney. It was Britney's lost her mind. Yeah, she was. Um, so something I read about that conservatorship is the reason it happened was because she was involuntarily hospitalized in 2008 for a right. uh, psychiatric crisis, um, which is really scary that even after you're released from a hospital and deemed to be mentally healthy, someone could still have... Um, power over you in terms of your yeah. economic assets and things like that i mean that's that's crazy it's um it just doesn't that's seem right. right to me at all I suppose it, w- it wouldn't happen that often unless you were super rich i think that was the, that's probably the thing isn't it <laughs> yeah that's true i mean it's yeah. not going to happen to you or i I mean, who's going to want to have control of my finances? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, do you want to take on a bunch of debt? <laughs> yeah, a lot of debt and like, not very much cash every too often. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah it's, so... It's not, there, it's not something that's going to happen to us, so we, we're safe. We're safe for now. We'll see. You never before. know in the future. This uh, this podcast could blow up and become highly yeah, we'll, profitable. Who knows? Blow, blow Joe Rogan away. He's <laughs> acting nuts. And he, he acting nuts. What is wrong with that man? Joe Rogan? Did you see some of the people say just the anti-vaccine COVID? Bollocks. You know, man, I've followed Joe Rogan from the time when he was still doing that podcast in his basement just with like his his best friends and he i he used to be kind of relatable in terms of like i'm just a he he always frames things through like i'm just a dumb guy asking questions and it's like yeah, yeah you are but now whereas once your show was kind of like a cult hit it's now as mainstream as mainstream can be and he's got he's one of the uh, most consumed media channels yeah. in the world or something that's what i've read it's one of them it's some something yeah it's consumed more by more people more hours of it than any other single media mm-hmm. outlet and and here's my thing with joe rogan he's actually not a dumb guy at all he's smart as fuck and he he has worked his ass off to get to where he is like he he really has i think his story is really interesting and in that you know he uh i think he knows what he's doing more than he uh he would lead others to believe oh yeah no he's he was he was always gonna you know that's why he has alex jones he's good friends with alex jones isn't he yeah he I, well, I don't know these days if they're still on good terms but he used to have alex jones on his podcast quite a bit if i remember correctly He's like, do you, do you know of Russell Brand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Russell Brand's another one that I knew when this pandemic hit, he was going to go down that route. Do you know what I mean? A denial yeah. against the vaccine and, you know, court in conspiracy, all those things that Joe Rogan's doing now. Um, isn't, a, isn't Russell Brand also bipolar? Yeah, apparently, yeah. Yeah, I think I've heard that about him, um, but I, I could see it. Um, yeah, no, you can say, well, and they're both comedians, aren't they? Well, since 
Joe Rogan. I don't know. I don't think Joe Rogan's bipolar, but Joe no, Rogan. no. I I think Joe Joe Rogan is um notoriously like anti medication and stuff. Um, but he's uh, always smoking weed, isn't he? Smokes mad weed, does mushrooms, DMT, all that cool shit. But um, yeah, no, I I don't think he has any mental health issues. He does try, and this is one of the reasons why I actually didn't get on medication as soon as I probably should have is because back when I listened to his show extensively um, Mm. and was in college, he and his guests would talk a lot about how taking psychiatric medication is bad for you and like changes your personality and like numbs you out and like all these, all just all of the negative side of the anti-pharmaceutical. Yeah, exactly. And it, it influenced my perception of being on that type of medication, man. Like it was, um, it, it did. I'm not going to, I'm not like blaming. <laughs> no, but that's the no, I, I, no, I was part of that whole, you know, I didn't vaccinate my son. Um, I didn't trust pharmaceutical companies. You know what I mean? I believed if I ever got cancer, I'd take weed and coffee enemas up the arse and not chemo. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. All that, do you know what I mean? All that anti-pharmaceutical company stuff. So yeah, I was very much, when I, when I, first, that was part of the problem with being given medication now is that I very much was like anti that and into that, you know, that whole idea that it, it you know, how can you ever, you know, get well with taking tablets and it's not natural and forgetting that smallpox is natural, Ebola is natural, <laughs> that of the bones is natural. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. We've managed to find many, many medicines that stop us from dying from, you know, cholera or God knows what. Yeah. It's, I think it's this self-entitled thing, Hunter, that we talked about before. We're living in a, a period of history where there's there's been no great war there's been no great depression you know it's the fight club thing isn't it we're sort of you know we've all been promised that we're gonna be movie stars or rock stars and you know people just a bit bored and pissed off you know because there's nothing really to fight against you know what i mean so they they create false demons and conspiracies and you know ideas that someone's trying to control you when really they're not you're living in a very free time where you're allowed to do what you want. You looked after medically, financially. You're not struggling like any generation gone before you. Mm, yeah, and it's very you know with this boredom comes this ability to, yeah, imagine all kinds of nefarious goings on which are not actually fucking happening. Yeah, I think that that's the case for some people for sure. Um, I I mean this uh, I mean the COVID nineteen thing is definitely the craziest thing that's happened in my lifetime. I think it, it's been crazier than nine eleven. I was talking to some of my friends about that a while back, and we were like, because we were like um, in like first or second grade when nine eleven happened. We were like very young kids, and. Um, you know, that totally changed the world. And now COVID-19 has changed the world and it just keeps going on and on and seems like it'll never stop. And um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it's an all encompass. That's what I mean by world war or depression. I mean, there, there has been nothing like it, but yeah, this COVID-19 has come along and it's, it's not quite as, as bad as a world war or 
but that's that's the interesting thing this that, that'll be the next step though is that there will be world war three with these like hypersonic missiles and shit from uh china have you been paying attention to that yeah shit? i've seen all that yeah Dude, but... check check this out so i actually um i tracked you know henry rollins right yeah of course yeah yeah, I had a yeah. Piss next to him at a festival once anyway oh you met him well, i had a piss next to him at a festival oh, oh, oh okay <laughs> So I saw, like, oh, I mean, yeah, this is that's we, pretty funny. Uh, um, yeah, well, I I track I have not met him in person, but I tracked down his email address somehow, and I found him, and I emailed him about the right Russian hypersonic missiles and the Chinese hypersonic missiles, and I was like, I was like, dude, like, have you been paying attention to this? I I put the subject line as Russian hypersonic eraser because I thought that would get his attention. And he responded and told me not to worry about it. But like, I don't trust that. I don't know. I don't, it's like, I don't trust. I don't don't know. I I mean, I I don't know if anyone's got vested interest in another war like that. Um, yeah, I know, man, but just that they have the technology and we don't. You got to remember, China is the production hub of the world. Why are they going to kill their customers? I don't know, man. But like, just the fact that they have technological warfare superiority right now over us in that domain, because um, the United States and like other allies don't have that type of weaponry yet, but Russia and China do. And we're behind. And the last, uh, the last missile test they did in the United States, trying to develop one of these fucking things, which are like insane. Like for people who don't know what they are, they like go into the stratosphere and then they like glide back down, going like yeah, thirty thousand miles an hour. They um, go anywhere. They go anywhere in space, don't they? And they can land within fifteen minutes. Oh uh, uh, yeah, or like fast. Sorry. I saw it in the news um, because I, I was the generation that was brought up to believe that there was going to be a nuclear war with the Russians. Mm-hmm. So we we were given like um, leaflets saying that you get underneath the table when you black out. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, dark and cover. That's when I was in school. They, they, all, all of those things in the 80s. Wow. They were scared shitless about a nuclear war. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I don't think anyone's got an appetite for a war like that. As I say, you pick up something in your house and it'll say made in China on it. Yeah. So are yeah. they gonna wipe you out? I can't imagine who they're gonna sell their shit to. What I mean, they just wanna what if they actually okay, so what Henry Rollins told me yeah, to get back to my close personal friendship with uh Mr. Rollins, uh he said uh Russia will never destroy something that they want. And so that is in line with what you're saying about about china they want they want what we have if they fire these missiles they're going to destroy what we have therefore we're probably safe from hypersonic missiles but i don't uh i don't mean to go down an entire tangent man but that shit, no, no, i do I, think I, about that that's the sort no, of do, yeah you know it's not it's not even a conspiracy theory it's just like yeah that's shit that is a reality and also use i suppose you you got to be pretty sure of the sanity of someone like Putin. And I don't know. I don't know how insane the man is. Maybe he doesn't give a shit. Maybe he is why how Texas he wouldn't care. He's such a reptilian motherfucker, just the way he emotes and his mannerisms. Putin is a scary fucking guy, man. 
I um I uh, you Is you know the whole than Trump. Um, yes, in my opinion, because he could actually just like kill you with his bare hands. I think like he knows like jujitsu and like or uh, Krav Maga and shit from when Isn't he was it, in Spetsnaz. Have you read the story that he um at sixteen he walked up to the KGB and said, "How do I join?" Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I meant KGB, not Spetsnaz. Um, no, but I haven't heard that story. Please continue. Okay, apparently, he went at sixteen. He went up to just knocked on the, the front gate. Said, how do I join? And they sort of <laughs> laughed at him. And then I think like seven years later, he was the head of the KGB, wasn't he? Fucking, that's the way to do it, man. Um, would you rather have to hang out with Dick Cheney or with Vladimir Putin for like an hour if you had to? You see that, this is an interesting one because we, the, you know, the seven degrees of separation through Milgram. We, mm-hmm. we supported Steven Seagal on a few gigs in England. Really? Yeah, and, and he he's now and he's a close personal friend of Putin, you see. Yeah. But um, yeah, he said some weird stuff to us because he was he was going <sighs> to, to play to the Russian troops after oh he still running gigs. But um, yeah, he's an odd bloke. He what, what did he say? He said to us backstage once, he came up to us, said, Are you all right? He, he, we said, Oh, you're right, you have a good sound check. And he was like, Yeah, he said, um, even a blind chicken peck some corn once every so often that's what my grandmother used to say to me the fuck does that mean i don't know and he walked <laughs> off it, i th- what it felt like was because it was backstage and we're just like two bit part actors and thing and it was a bit psychedelic was he was going to kill us because mm. he's got these you know the sort of like um the just for men hair color <laughs> yeah yeah man is just because he, he bought all his band he had like michael mcdonald's bassist and that and they all fucking hated him yeah really. no i've heard he's um like not a chill guy he's not very good either no he's not he sucks at guitar i um <laughs> he plays like he don't you get kind of the impression that he's like a wannabe carlos santana like doesn't he no, have he that did. i haven't yeah, listened no, to a ton did. of his music uh seagulls but um Every time I've seen him play guitar, I'm just like, oh yeah, like this is like Carlos Santana, except like really bad. I know what you mean, like the attack and everything on the guitar. I mean, yeah. he, people, people were just walking out on mass on his gigs, just walking out. Oh really? They'd watch oh, us man. play, and they'd watch about ten minutes of him, and then they just fuck off. Very oh, good. Very. I need. Good. I need to go see like an actual live show soon. Um, no, there's no gigs. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, Cannibal Corpse is coming to Baltimore in like a month, and Ween has a show coming up in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, which is very close to me. But uh, it's just like a matter of like, do you really want to put yourself at risk and get like the Omicron variant and shit? I don't so, know what it's been anymore. I mean, we've had how many injections you've had now? I've had three. I've, so I've actually only gotten the Johnson and Johnson, and I got it over six months ago. I need to get a booster shot, I believe. Yeah, um, you should do. Yeah, but uh, that's Have where you I'm it at. Yet, or do you know anyone that's caught it? My dad actually had uh, COVID like a week and a half ago. Everyone's got it, here, man. Everyone. Yeah. It. Yeah, it's um, it's all over the place now, and the the uh, statistics for it are just like off the charts now. Like, I think it's even worse than it was this time last year. Wow. Like, way worse. 
So, yeah, I mean the death rates dropped off, but people are vaccinated, aren't they? Get your get your booster, Hunter. Fuck yeah, me. I know. It's on my to do list. I, I barely leave my apartment these days since I work from home, and you know everything is dangerous to go to right now. So I um I'm pretty quarantined and isolated already. But yeah, I need to get that booster shot soon. Anyhow, man, uh, I know you only have like a minute or so left. Was there anything else you wanted to? <laughs> any other uh last last we've words we've gone from medication to, <laughs> to britney spears to joe rogan to steven seagal i don't know how we got there yeah man it's uh no, we, we kind of jumped around a little bit i'd say heed what you you've done and if you want to reduce meds then go through your doctor i think that's the one thing i've learned over the last month is that i can't on the one hand go and ask for help and then decide to reject it all when i feel a bit better yeah just say that it's that it's that thing of feeling that the meds are associated with illness. Do you know what I mean? And they're not, they're yeah. associated with wellness really, aren't they? It's the way I should view it. But. I think that's a, a really good perspective to have. It's hard. I'm trying to hold that, but yeah, that's why you need to get a booster as well. Yeah, exactly. So Bill Gates can control you. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, gotta watch out for uh, the, the deep state. <laughs> are you joking are you being serious i can't tell uh no well i don't know if i'm joking or not i don't know anymore <laughs> we'll I, talk about that next time yeah we can talk <laughs> about that next time <laughs> all right, all right. Well, anyway, take all it right. easy it's nice talking to you This episode of Bipolar Recorder. My name is Hunter Keegan. Bipolar Recorder can be found on Twitter at Bipolar Recorder. I can be found on Twitter at HH Keegan. And if you have been enjoying this show so far, just a friendly reminder to tell your friends about it and maybe even consider leaving us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts so you can help get the word out to an even wider audience. It's been such a pleasure hosting this show so far. I've had so many amazing conversations with so many interesting people, and I feel very honored that people have been so willing to share their stories in such an open and vulnerable format. It's really been quite incredible. So until next time, I hope you stay safe, and thank you again. Polar Recorder is a listener-supported show. To help keep the show running, consider checking out our Patreon page or visiting BipolarRecorder.com. Unless otherwise stated, the hosts and guests on Bipolar Recorder are not licensed mental health professionals. Bipolar Recorder is not a substitute for therapy or professional medical intervention. If you are having a mental health crisis, please contact your local emergency services.